Good evening and welcome to Psychedelic Healing. This is Sonia Cotto, your host. I am a nurse anesthesiologist and mental health advocate uh, here to interview a wonderful new author, Madison Margolin. She is a journalist covering psychedelics and spirituality. She is the recent author of Exile and Ecstasy, Growing Up with Ram Das and Coming of Age in the Jewish Psychedelic Underground. She is also the host of the Be Here Now Network Set and Setting podcast, as well as the co-founder of both Double Blind Magazine and the Jewish Psychedelic Summit. With a master's from Columbia Journalism School and a bachelor's in rhetoric and linguistics from UC Berkeley, Madison has traveled all over the world from California through India, Israel, Palestine, exploring the role of entheogens in religion, health, and conflict resolution. With a decade's worth of experience covering psychedelics, cannabis, and religion, spirituality, Madison's work has been featured in multiple news outlets, New York Times, Forbes, Rolling Stones, you name it, she's been in there. She offers, now she offers classes and workshops and consultings on the topic of Judaism, psychedelics, and is presented at conferences like SXSW, Horizons, the Perspectives of Psychedelics, and the Association of Alternative News, Media, and more. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so happy to have you. And I was actually very lucky to have met you at this weekend's conference here in Miami for uh, Wonderland Microdose, a psychedelic conference. So it was nice we got to chat earlier. Yeah, it was it's so rare that I meet my podcast, <laughs> you know, colleagues here. All right. Yeah, it was. I was like, wait a second. Margolin, wait, I know her. And then I think your friend interrupted your conversation. So sorry about that. But it was nice meeting you ahead of time. <laughs> I would actually go ahead and usually I like to go ahead and ask on how you forgot, first got into psychedelics. But, you know, after reading your book, you really were kind of born into it. So at what age really were you more, I guess, aware of the psychedelics and your experience, you know, within the family? Probably high school, I became aware of it, I think. Maybe maybe middle school. You know, we had, in middle school, we had D.A.R.E., Drug Abuse Resistance Education, which was, you know, supposed to keep kids off drugs. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was somewhat exposed to a, the concept at, at that age. I mean, I grew up in like a very psychedelic household, but it's not like my parents were attributing the culture of the house to psychedelics to such young kids, even though my dad always smelled like pot smoke. Um, <laughs> I remember my mom would tell me stories about like doing mescaline or angel dust or whatever in angel dust is PCP, a chemical cousin of ketamine. But anyways, she would tell me stories about doing these drugs when she was, you know, living in upstate New York or in the village. And, you know, she's talked about one time where she like almost walked off a cliff while she was on acid. And so uh, I... I was like, I knew that my mom especially had all of these psychedelic experiences. My dad, on the other hand, is like much more of just like a weed, like a, a stoner. Like he's way more into weed than anything else. Though I also know that he's, you know, done psychedelics. But yeah, I became aware of it more explicitly in high school. Um, I started to realize that, you know, Ram Das, who was a family friend, had this psychedelic background. And I got really interested in psychedelics, you know, as a teenager. I started reading, you know, I read Aldous Huxley. I I was, you know, I was really interested in in music and, you know, again as being like a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 
you know, with a crush on Jim Morrison or something like that. I was like, okay, like, what's he all about? And again, just through the music that I was listening to and the music that my parents also exposed me to really made me aware of psychedelics as substances and beyond just the culture that I was already exposed to. Yeah, I think a lot of us uh, were experienced to dare. I actually was just very afraid of all uh, all psychedelics. I think they told, I, I always remember LSD makes your brain bleed. Don't touch it. So it definitely worked on my end. So, <laughs> and to many others. Um, when was it that you first experienced medicine? I was 18 when I first did mushrooms. I had read a lot about them before. Like I, like I said, I had read Aldous Huxley. I, um, I did a whole research paper on psychedelics my first semester of college at Berkeley. And so I was like, okay, well, now I've gotten all the information, you know, read, reading Timothy Leary and Ram Dass and all sorts of like historical accounts and kind of accounts inspired by psychedelics and so forth. And I was like, okay, now I really want to try it. And so I was with two friends and who also had never done mushrooms before. And my older sister was our trip sitter. And also she was joined by the family medical marijuana doctor who also had a lot of psychedelics. <laughs> and we went to Venice Beach and it was just the perfect first mushroom trip. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that. How is that? Well, so that was your first one. What is your, I guess, how, you know, because the book that you wrote is so beautiful. I am so amazed at, I actually want to do more research how you kind of linked psychedelics with spirituality and like the different uh, culture and different events that you actually regularly hold in um, the Jewish religion. How did you actually find that? Like, how how did you discover its connection? Yeah, I mean, you know, that first mushroom trip, you know, I, I always kind of rebelled against my parents and their philosophies so you know when their philosophy is be here now because they're friends with ramdas my <laughs> rebellion is fuck that <laughs> and right. and um and i so my first mushroom trip i remember i was like sitting on the sand like watching the sunset and being like oh be here now like i get it and so and i just like had never felt that in an, any sort of embodied way before and it was really, it was, it really kind of made me appreciate a lot more of where I was coming from and like what my parents were trying to instill in me and what Ram Dass's whole trip was about. So I knew for very early on from my first psychedelic experience that it was really sacred. You know, the idea that like people were doing them at parties and, you know, like, and I went to Berkeley, like there, it was, there was psychedelics everywhere a lot. I was like, I didn't, I couldn't imagine like tripping in a kind of party environment, even though eventually that ha also happened so I knew it was sacred I always thought of it as very special I'd always like intuitively like journal beforehand and journal after and like I was doing a lot of like psychedelic practice that now is distilled into like best practices and harm reduction and like I, w I was just doing that anyway because that's how I, I want I put the experience in such high esteem but when I was in journalism school and I was going to I was reporting in the Hasidic community in Brooklyn because every student had to cover a different ethnic community and because I'm Jewish and also was one of only two Jews in the class they're like you're going to have access to the world's most insular religious community so I met people from there who were doing psychedelics they were like sort of negotiating their relationship to 
ultra orthodoxy. But I, I said to myself, you know, how could someone become coming from such a strong religious background or orientation, not have that factor into their psychedelic trips, having, you know, knowing myself that like, psychic like psychedelics magnify whatever's going on inside you so mm-hmm. that just got me really fascinated about whether you could really you know have intersectionality between jewish and psychedelic consciousness no that's that's so interesting i i as i'm reading it i couldn't believe how and you worded it and it was such an easy read on how it was just so dual and worked so well just together, you know? So it wasn't until, so you kind of have been back and forth, right? From California to New York to Israel, just kind of those three spots were just rotating through. Um, when, so most of that was just in New York once you started your master's. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what was one of the, probably your most profound religious experiences in New York when you actually got into the group because I know you kind of worked your way and you found the psychedelic group amongst the religious cohort yeah I'd say it was twofold I mean I I really started to connect more to Jewish music through ayahuasca um, because in the ayahuasca ceremonies um, people were using nigunam which are sort of like old Jewish tunes as the music as the medicine music I didn't grow up with the, that music in a way where like I know the words and all of that, but I just knew it. Like they say that ayahuasca is like ancestor medicine and it's granted like my ancestors are not the stewards of ayahuasca, right? Like I'm not coming from like a South American indigenous background, but it did sort of connect me on an ancestral level to my own roots. And I feel like like I said, like my brain doesn't necessarily know those songs or the words to the songs, but like my soul, like definitely knows those songs. And like, even as I was hearing them, probably for the first time in certain scenarios, I was like, this is really familiar. Like, I know this. So that was one thing that just like opened me up to, and, and you know, so much of Judaism is in the musical tradition and you can sort of identify a community based on how they sing and their style and what you know what songs are popular and this and that and so it it just kind of again gave me another another level and you know there's multitudes of ways to connect jewishly but that was another one and then another thing that i experienced was being invited to these sort of side trance psychedelic festivals upstate in the catskills over shabbat uh, which is the jewish sabbath and just experiencing you know that container of sacred time you know as it's referred to in religious writings in nature you know in this like very party environment but also in a really you know with people coming from the Hasidic world like it was there's something felt really traditional and beautiful about it in a way that I hadn't necessarily experienced you know among people who were not raised so observantly so it was really blending a lot of things that I loved which was just like you know like the soul of of Yiddish culture yeah, that must have been an amazing experience. And I feel like, you know, as you were going from, you know, I know in the book you discussed about oh, wanting to go to New York and then being in New York and being called, you know, back to California or then being called to Israel. Did you ever really find, I felt like you were truly trying to find your home. Did you finally find it? 
it's in progress. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, no, yes and no. Like, I definitely, you know, LA will always be home. You know, like that's where my parents are, my my siblings. But I I do feel really split down the middle with Israel and New York, and still trying to reconcile that one. How long? When was the last time you were living in Israel? A couple weeks ago. God, I'm so sorry for everything that. That's uh, if I could reach over and hug you, I would. And I'm so sorry. Wow. And are you still in communication with anyone there? Yeah, I mean, I a lot of like my really close friends are there, so I talk to them all the time. And yeah, everyone's just, <laughs> just trying to live. I guess you could say that across the board. Just trying to survive. I'm so sorry about that. As of the war, I, I had a work event to go to, and I conveniently already had a ticket booked, so I I was able to get out <laughs> like a little bit after the war started. So yeah. Okay, so it was just a coincidence that you were just there short term. Okay, I'm glad that that might be another trauma to have to survive through. Although you're living through that as well now, so yeah, yeah, it's a weird moment. <laughs> I think yeah, in both places. Yeah, definitely. You've not only written this book and then tie, you know, had this experience, you know, being able to tie your experiences with Ram Das, you know, he is an idol to very many. And so how did you, how do you really, um, I guess, how is your, how is your memory or what is your memory of Ram Das? And I, I guess you knew him before he was Ram Das, right? Um, not before, because he took on this spiritual name Ram Das, I think in the seventies or sixties. Oh, okay. But, you know, I, I knew him as like one of my dad's friends and less as this spiritual figure, you know, he's, you know, people talk about him as like Baba Ram Das, but he was just, like I said, like my dad's buddy. I didn't think anything of it, you know, like I was really embarrassed about my parents' antics. Like I thought it was really weird that all these Jewish people had Hindu names and, you know, walked around in robes and shit and and not all mm, right like, wear like a flannel and just like be normal but you know a lot of the time it was like everyone smells like weed and there's incense and there's like pictures of hindu deities and it's like wait you guys are you guys actually hindu like you're jewish what's going on and and you know they call themselves hindus um and jews oh very creative nice yeah, so <laughs> so yeah, so there's that and Ramdas like I don't, you know, I just remember him just being like present, you know, like here and there when when he would visit or come to town or whatever, you know, stay at my stay by my dad's or come over for dinner. There was one time where he my mom took us to visit him in Hawaii and I was fighting with my mom and she I, I had this thing where I would like scratch my cheek with my middle finger. And as a way of like being disrespectful and flipping her off. And so of course she like told Ramdas, like she told on me. And because he's, you know, therapist after all, like he can deal with our problems when we come to visit him. Exactly. <laughs> and and at the end of he didn't really care. He just like thought it was funny. But at the end, or he was like, Why'd you do that? I don't know. I, I like I was I was honestly really embarrassed and, and shy and just ashamed about it. At the end of the visit Ram Dass was saying goodbye to us and he was like says goodbye and he waves his cheek and he scratches his cheek with his middle finger just to like <laughs> back at me and it was just like I don't know such a sweet moment in a way and like everyone has these super spiritual Ram Dass stories and mine is 
getting flipped off by Ram Dass. So yeah, I think that was a chapter in your book. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice spirit getting flipped off by a spiritual guru. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So I want to kind of go and transition into another project that you actually have because you actually were co-founder of Double Blind Magazine, which is an amazing magazine. Actually, my clinic already has a prescription, a subscription to it, and we get it delivered regularly. So when when did that come about? Yeah, and I guess 2019, if I recall, um, my co-founder kind of had the idea for a psychedelic magazine while she was meditating. And right after called me and said, hey, do you want to start a psychedelic magazine? I'm like, okay. And I don't think we either one of us really like knew what we were getting ourselves into. Um, you know, it was like an idea for like an artsy magazine. And then, you know, we ended up getting connected to Zoe Wilder and started getting a lot of attention for it. And, you know, doing like, you know, got a social media person. And before we knew it, we were like running a startup media company. Like I'm not working full time with Double Blind anymore, but I okay. do like, you know, I'm supportive of of whatever what's going on and and I yeah, I really there's a lot of good stuff going on with Double Blind, including one project that I am working on, which is um a guidebook to how to have psychedelic experience. So it's gonna be like a gorgeous designed coffee table book on like the double blind guide to psychedelics. Wow. That'll that'll be a, a great addition to the resources that you provide. Awesome. What is the double blind portion? What where did you come up with the title double blind? And what does it mean? Yeah, it was like a nod to the scientific studies that are done in a double-blind fashion. Um, but, it, you know, it also has a more philosophical meaning to it. You know, what asking ourselves, like, what are we blind to? Like, what is actually truth, you know, when we take off our blinders or put on our blinders, right? So, yeah, that's kind of, what, you know, what it's about. Um, yeah, and that's and that's something that all psychedelics provide, which is uh, an important it's the purpose, right? That we are doing psychedelics is what do we not know? What are the subconscious stories and things that we're holding back? Because that's pretty much our limitation to life. So that is a very good title. I was thinking it was scientific, you know, like the science re double blind research, but I'm like, there, it's not all about research in there. So I need to find out. <laughs> all right. And so you also have this association with the Jewish, that you're at the Jewish Psychedelic Summit. Um, I am not familiar with that. I was going to do some research and thought I would just uh, pick your brain so you could share that. Yeah, I co-founded Jewish Psychedelic Summit with Natalie Ginsberg from MAPS and Rabbi Zach Kamenetz, who founded an organization called Shefa. It's for Jewish psychedelic support. And that was really sort of giving name and identity to a movement that's already been happening for a long time. And yeah, we brought together thought leaders, rabbis, mystics, people from the community, you know, therapists, whatever, scientists, you know, to talk about, uh, you know, we're, you know, plant medicines part of biblical, you know, in use during biblical times or, you know, how are psychedelics helping Jewish trauma or, you know, why are so many Jews involved in the drug policy movement? Like, how is that part of what we call tikkun olam or repair the world? Or, of course, there's like the mystical and ritualistic elements of psychedelic and Jewish experience that go really well together. And yeah, looking at Jewish shamanism and all sorts of things. So that was the point of the summit. And we we also did an in-person event um, at the most recent MAPS conference in Colorado this year. 
and hopefully more to come. Nice. Oh, so it's actually like an actual conference or event that uh, you go to. So it's an annual event. Uh, so far, it's been like semi-annual, I guess, whatever, that every two years. Like the first one was in 2021 as a Zoom event. And the second one was in was this year, 2020, as, as an in-person event. Nice. So every other year. So the next one, probably 2025. Unless okay. we, we pick up the speed and <laughs> stand yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a lot of work to uh, put together a conference. I, I saw that this weekend and I was luckily not, I didn't really see it in maps, but they were, that was very high and big, very large. I think there was like 12,000 people yeah, maps there. Huge. Yeah. 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 Did you um, did you speak there? Yeah, I spoke on a panel about Judaism and psychedelics. Also, uh, also of course, like put, doing the the JPS Jewish Psychedelic Summit as its own side event. Okay. As far as um, going back to the medicine work that you've done, you know, you've gone to like parties and raves. You've done the spiritual work. Do you have an a, a really like? dark or difficult moment when you've done some work with psychedelics that needed additional support or different, um, you know, yeah, additional support in that to integrate that? You know, and very early on in my psychedelic experiences, like my first couple of trips were total bliss. Um, and so I didn't know that you could have a bad trip. And like I was, I would take them, I would take psychedelics kind of willy nilly and not, you know, I knew it was sacred, but I also like, didn't think about like, oh, I could, you know, this, there could be a bad vibe. Like it never occurred to me because I just was so blissed out on them. And then eventually I did have challenging experiences with psychedelics and, you know, I once like, you know, have been in those loops where I'm like, I'm never coming back from this. I'm going to be high forever or like just that this, like I'm going to need therapy for years to come because I, you know, like I just freaking out over, you know, just, just I've, I've gone into moments where I wasn't enjoying the trip or something happened where just like my perspective on it turned and I was like, I don't want to be high anymore. And now I have like at least six hours, six to 10 to forever, <laughs> six to, six to <laughs> 10 forever of, of this. And what do I do? And it's taken a lot of self inquiry to really break out of that, you know, to really break out of that loop. And it was a loop that came up for a while, you know, when I was like 19, 20, and I actually stopped taking psychedelics, you know, for a few years and kind of came back to it through ayahuasca. I never stopped with MDMA. That's definitely my favorite. Um, and I trust it the most, but, but yeah, I, I, I recognize that like, if you're prone to anxiety, it doesn't always help with anxiety. It could make it worse if you're not with the right people. And, you know, I was definitely like my first acid trip, I, I went into that loop that I was referring to. I was like, well, I'm just not going to come back. And and I, I think it was like also my friend halfway through the trip was like, oh, yeah, by the way, like those tabs were double dipped or some shit like that. And it's like, so I was like, okay, I want wow. acid as I think I am. And Again, it doesn't really matter. Like I know people who have been on, you know, 10 times that and are totally mm -hmm. fine. But for like a young kid, basically, who's tripping on acid for the first time, yeah. hear that and like, it just turned my trip around. I was like, shit, like I'm scared now. And then to calm me down, my friend invited over her boyfriend who said, 
oh, my first acid trip, I dropped out of school and moved to Santa Cruz. So like, that's like what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, definitely set and setting, be with the right people, vet your guide, vet your drugs, you know, all of that are lessons that I had to learn the hard way. Yeah, so important. Yeah, because that was pretty much the set and setting going in, not necessarily the the thoughts or in-depth subconscious messaging that you experience. It was literally the people you were with and the environment and then getting trapped. And then the LSD that lasts like, what, 12 hours? Yeah. And then you're exactly. stuck in that. Yeah. Wow. Right yeah. at the onset. Hey, you're going to go double, double in. It was like while I was peaking, you know, I had a really good first half of that trip. And then like right as we're totally coming up and she's like, by the way, I just turned my trip around. Wow. Well, um, I hope she's aware and never does that to anyone else. <laughs> or at least don't even mention it to you, right? Not friends anymore. <laughs> Not because oh, of that. Okay. We got very close after that, but we just lost touch. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I was going to ask what your favorite medicine is, but you already answered that with the MDMA. That is a pure love art opener. So I can see why it's, it seems pretty safe, right? Well, I guess there is a certain dose that uh, there's really, there's always love, but. I, I mean, look, I also have people close to me. One friend overdosed on water um, while she was on a game. Oh, yes. Well, I know someone else who just took way too much by accident and had, I think, like serotonin syndrome. Like, it's not like it's not like non-toxic the way mushrooms or acid are. But, you know, in, in reasonable doses, it's pretty safe. Yes. Yeah. I, that is actually another thing I wanted to bring up with MDMA. It's. You know, you get so thirsty that you want to drink so much water, but it's so important to not just drink water. It has to have electrolytes in it because you can actually flood your cells and have cell bursting seizures, hospital and stuff. I had a friend in college that that happened to and went into a coma and actually was in the hospital for a while. I mean, she survived, but that's definitely not an experience that you want to have or give your family that experience as well. So, yes, drink electrolyte water. If you're ever going to experience with that medication, though I'm not recommending it as it is still illegal, definitely stay hydrated with electrolytes if you are going to choose that doing so. So we are nearing the end of our podcast and I had an amazing, I actually want to read it again because I do want to learn more about uh, Judaism because I haven't really experienced it, but I, your book was such an easy read that it actually just kind of like welcomed it in, you know, and so I am very curious about all the, the different uh, religious uh, aspects and ceremonies to that. I definitely recommend it to those, you know, this book, if you're looking to feel like spiritually kindled, make peace with where you come from, regardless of what religion it is, the spirituality with psychedelics, this is actually a really, really great book to um, to see that and be exposed to it and how it is, you know, kind of all, actually, even doing research, I see it in different religions, like, oh, what's, what are these symbols? What's this? What's this ceremony? You actually see the connection that they you know, the current world is trying to hide from us, but it's out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, so, well, congratulations on your new book. It is available on Amazon and uh, actually just came out right last week. Yeah, on the 7th. Oh, congratulations. So you can find that on Amazon. And if you want to learn more and just reach out to all her sources, Double Blind and the other um articles that she's been published will put all of her contacts in our bio so 
And this is a wrap. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week's dose of psychedelic healing. I'm your host, Sonia. Have a beautiful evening. <music>